Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth all through the lens of nursing. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Nurse Becoming Podcast. It's your host, Amanda. Really happy to have you here today. And we are doing another episode of Ask Me Anything, which was really popular the first time we did it here on the podcast. And actually over on Instagram, I do weekly short videos that are like, I don't know, less than seven minutes with really common Um, questions that I get asked, and that's called Ask Amanda Anything. So that's a weekly video series I do over there on Instagram. Um, Those questions are usually more like quick tactical questions about resumes, cover letters, that type of thing. And what I wanted to do was save the meatier questions for this podcast episode, this version of Ask Me Anything in audio format, because I have a little bit uh, longer to talk because this format is a little bit longer. And just wanted to present kind of a different set of questions that are a little bit deeper, really. So um, the first question that I want to answer is a question that came in, very common question. How do I know a job is a good fit before accepting the position? And this is, you know, this is such an important question to ask yourself and a question to think about because you want to make sure that you are happy in the job that you have, right? Like you want to make sure that it's a good fit for you professionally, that it fits into your personal life, you know, your lifestyle priorities that you, you know, are happy and supported. We don't want to dread going to work yet. So many of us do, right? So this is a great question. How do you know that it's a good fit? And, you know, a lot of times people will ask what are some red flags in the interview? You know, like, how do I know in an interview whether the job's going to be a good fit? What are some red flags in the interview? And that's a great question to ask. But what I want to bring up is I want you to think about backing up even further than the interview and really thinking about whether or not your job search strategy supports what's important to you overall. So I mean, the way that you are looking for jobs and deciding which jobs to apply to, like you should already have some sort of filter that is unique to you. It's, you know, your individual filter that you are putting these jobs through to decide whether or not you want to apply to them at all, right? I know that if you are someone, you know, who's a newer graduate, if you don't have a ton of experience, if you are feeling that jobs are few and far between, you may be feeling like, all right, if there's an opening that I you know, look even remotely qualified for, I should apply for it. But I want to challenge you to really decide kind of what your non-negotiables are, decide what your filter is going to be. There's really no better way to, to describe it than a filter. Decide what that is. And rather than waiting for the interview stage to put things through that filter and decide you know, what's a good fit, How can you adjust your job search strategy earlier so that you're not even wasting your time applying to things that aren't going to be 
a good fit or that aren't going to be aligned with, you know, your schedule. So a really good example of this would be, you know, if you want a nine to five job and you want to be home for dinner every day, don't go applying for jobs at an urgent care. You know, urgent cares are open usually nine to nine and they're usually 12 hour shifts, you know, usually higher volume in the evenings. So, you know, that may not fit with your lifestyle priority and that may be the most important thing to you. So I really want you thinking about the job that you want in all aspects of it, you know, how it will fit into your lifestyle, how it will fit into your kind of professional interests. Think about that before you even go out and apply. Okay. And that will make it so that the likelihood of you having to filter during the interview process is lower because you have already vetted jobs. You have already decided that the jobs you're applying to have a higher likelihood of being a good fit. And then you can just focus on the things like the actual environment and the culture and the people, right? As opposed to worrying about things like schedule and specialty, that type of stuff. So when you are in the interview process, uh, or even, you know, maybe received an offer, how can you decide whether it's a good fit? So if you are a new graduate, or this is some sort of new opportunity for you, maybe you're pivoting specialties, regardless, I want you to find out and get a good sense of how supported you will be in your role. I believe that we all need the opportunity to learn and make mistakes and be supported and encouraged as we grow. And I think it's important to make sure that your workplace is going to provide you that type of safe space, especially if you are a new graduate. So that means asking in an interview, what does orientation look like in this role? You know, when am I going to be expected to be at full productivity? Is there a mentorship program? Will I be precepted? Will I have one person who's senior to me as a resource to help me if I feel that I need help with something? You know, what are my safety nets? Okay. Uh, and you'll find a way to ask that question. Usually it's, you know, just opening the conversation with what does orientation and mentorship look like in this role? And see what the answers are. If you get told, you know, oh yeah, you'll have two hour computer orientation, we'll show you where to put your lunch, and then you'll have a full panel of patients, then that's a little bit concerning, right? Uh, Or if as a nurse, you know, you're not told about a a competency sheet or any sort of formal process that they're going to be ensuring that you don't work on your own until you're comfortable doing so, that's a red flag, okay? You also want to see if you can get the opportunity to shadow So be there for a few hours as a fly on the wall, following someone around who does what you would be doing and see how you feel. Uh, What type of feeling do you get when you observe the job being done? What type of vibe do you get when you talk to your potential future colleagues? And what does that feel like for you? And does it feel good? Okay, this is like a really hard thing to describe, but if you've ever looked for a house or an apartment and you've looked at listings online, you know, Zillow or Craigslist or whatever, there are some really nice real estate photos, right? Like a house can look really nice based on the photos. And it wouldn't be until you actually went to the house and drove by and and parked in the driveway that you realized that it was next to a landfill and it smelled like garbage. 
that's very dramatic, right? My point is that sometimes you need to actually like be in the space and be in the environment to get a feel of whether it's a good fit. Sometimes you have to look beyond the pros and cons list and go for, you know, how your body feels when you are somewhere. So anytime that you can get the opportunity to shadow or talk to others who would who are currently in the role that you would have, I would definitely take advantage of that. And ultimately, you know, you take all this information and you come up with a decision and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're not and that's okay. And if you're not right, if you take an opportunity that ultimately wasn't a good fit, then do a little debrief with yourself and and find out why and work that into your strategy for when you're finding and looking for your next opportunity. The next question is, what should I look for in a contract? Uh, And I'm going to gear this towards nurse practitioners because NPs are more likely to have an actual contract than nurses are. Um, This is so individualized. I definitely encourage you to um, listen back to episode 13 about negotiating your NP contract. That was with Monica, the NP. Such a great episode. It's had so, so many downloads. Super popular because Monica is awesome. But I'll touch on this question here. And I want you to first understand that things that are important to one person in a contract may not be important to another person. Okay, so it is okay to approach this with an individualized approach for what is important to you. Okay, there are a lot of people who will share online, you know, the details of their contract and say, what should I do? And they'll ask for feedback where no, nobody knows who, you know, what's important to this person. For example, you know, obviously it goes without saying that you want to be compensated fairly. So you should be looking for a salary that is fair market value. Uh, And so that's really up to you to do that research of what people are being paid with your level of experience in your specialty, in your geographic region. Okay, so you should do that research, come up with a range of what fair market value is for that role. And that should be the range that you are playing with when it comes to your salary number. And salary is important, but there are so many other things that are as important, maybe more important, depending on who you are, okay? So your contract should hopefully include things like time off. I've seen anywhere from two weeks per year, which is on the very low side, to five plus weeks per year off, um, which is a very, like five plus weeks is, is excellent. What type of CME money are they including? Will you get a stipend every year to spend on a conference? Will it fund a whole conference? Can you use it to pay for your flights? Can you get your license reimbursed and you know all those administrative things? Will they pay for you to be in an organization? What does that look like? If they don't pay for everything, that doesn't mean that it's a bad contract, okay? Uh, because ultimately, if they're not going to pay for your license renewal, at the end of the day, what's that? That's less than $200 every couple of years. That's not a lot of money. Yes, it's great to have it paid for, but if you had that or more in your salary number because they're paying you a higher salary, then then why do you really care, right? Retirement. I think retirement is super important for everyone unless you come from, you know, like generational wealth and you technically don't ever have to work a day in your life. In which case, why are you I, I, there are so many other things I would do. <laughs> no offense to my profession, but you know, I if I had that type of money um, where I didn't even have to worry about retirement, um, I'm not sure I'd be working. Uh, but that's just me. 
retirement is important, right? Because retirement funding determines how long you have to work, all right? Do you want to be one of those people who works until they're 75 because they have to financially? Or even 65, do you want to work till full retirement age? Some people do, and that's fine. Some people love their career just that much. But I'm kind of in the camp that I am working now to fund my fun in the future. And the sooner that I can do that, the sooner that I have enough money to say, okay, I don't want to work anymore, then then that's a big milestone. So that means starting to save when you're early in your career. Uh, and, and the reason why I'm talking about this, because of course you can save on your own, but if your job offers you employer-sponsored retirement vehicles, i.e. 401k, 403b, those types of things, you can put more money in those and they're tax sheltered, meaning they lower your taxable income. They reduce the amount of taxes that you have to pay. Um, so if you are offered that, that is a good financial advantage just to even have that plan. Uh, and even better if they also contribute money to it and or they match. Okay, I once had an employer that put in 10% of my salary. I didn't have to put any money in retirement, but they put 10% of what I made in a year into a retirement account for me. That is free money. And if you have a $100,000 salary per year, that's $10,000 of free money every year that compounds on itself because it's in a retirement vehicle. Okay, so I could talk about that for a long time. I'm obviously (laughs) very... I'm passionate about that because I want you to not only be comfortable financially now, because you know being a nurse practitioner, you should, depending on where you live, you should hopefully get to a point where you can be comfortable financially and not struggling because you know we have the benefit of of such a a nice salary. But I want you to be making decisions that will also keep you at that comfort forever. So that you don't have to continue to work per diem when you are geriatric. Hello, my friend. You may or may not be job seeking right now, but if you are or will be in the near future, I am popping in to let you know about my most popular offer, the Nurse Resume Template Bundle. This is a digital download product that includes six of my beautifully designed resume and cover letter templates for both the experienced and new grad nurse or NP. You deserve to have a resume and cover letter that showcases exactly why you are the right person for the job, right? Never again will you lose out on an opportunity to interview because your resume wasn't ready or got lost in the stack. When you purchase the Nurse Resume Template Bundle, you'll also get access to three essential bonuses, my credential organization system, my job application tracking system, and the most asked for resource that I have, my ATS video training, which includes two super ATS friendly templates. You can learn more and purchase the Nurse Resume Template Bundle for just $27 at theresumerx.com slash offer. That's theresumerx.com slash O-F-F-E. Now back to the episode. I said earlier that it's going to be individualized, right? Like different things are going to be important to different people. If you have $200,000 in student loans, if a place offers student loan reimbursement or qualifies for any of the national student loan repayment programs, that's going to be way more important to you than to someone who went to a state school and graduated with no debt. Okay, so keep that in mind as you are negotiating contracts and and evaluating contracts. 
Okay. If you are a parent, you know, if you have three young kids like I do, it's more important to me that I get time off or that I have flexibility in my schedule than it does, you know, an extra five to 10K a year on my salary number. That's just the reality of, of what is important to me and my family at this moment. So, you know, before I moved here to New Jersey, when I was working in the ER in upstate New York, I was working part-time and I dropped down to the fewest amount of part-time hours I could work and still get healthcare benefits. So I was 18 hours per week in my job. I didn't really care that that meant that my salary was really quite low because obviously I wasn't working as much. But what was important to me was I needed health insurance for my family and I wanted to have time off. And you better believe that every month I sat down and I did my schedule, I made sure I took all of my PTO. I was not, you know, hoarding PTO. I took all of it every year and I made sure that my weekly schedule, because I was in I was in a position where I could self-schedule like that. I made sure that I really maximized my time off because I worked nights and I didn't want to be working, you know, strings of nights um, or every other night or something, especially when I had kids at home, because the reality was I didn't stay on a night schedule. I worked my two or three nights and then I tried to get as long of a stretch of days as possible so that I could live some sort of <laughs> life of normalcy. So all that to say depending on where you are in your life and what is important to you will determine the things that you care more about in your contract. Okay. The other thing that I'll say about contracts is I want you to make sure that you are looking at the term and termination clause, especially if you are signing like a legal contract, because some nurse practitioners just sign a letter of agreement and then are um, kind of subject to the employee handbook. If you're signing a multiple page employment document, then you need to look at term and termination. And what that means, term is how long the contract is good for. That tells you kind of when it you are able to renegotiate. So if it's a five-year contract and nothing is built into the contract about you know, incremental salary increases, then that's something to to ask about because that means that that contract's going to be the same for the next five years. And then also termination. That means what are the rules around breaking the contract? Can you break it? If so, what happens? Some termination clauses might say that you have to pay back some money if you terminate before the end of the contract or if you had a, you know, a sign-on bonus or something, it may be due back. It may say that you have a non-compete clause, meaning that after termination of the contract for any reason, meaning that whether you quit, whether you're fired, whether you're laid off due to a global pandemic, nudge, nudge, you could be subject to a non-compete clause. And you want to know what those details are. If they're saying that you can't work after termination of the contract for any healthcare practice within, you know, 20 miles for five years. I'm exaggerating. That's a very dramatic non-compete clause, but that basically would mean that you can't get a job where you live for the next five years. Okay. Um, or that you would be in violation of the contract if you did that. So I encourage you to look into that a little bit more. There's more information about contract negotiation and details um, in my program, Dream Job Roadmap for nurse practitioners. That is um, my signature program for NPs, where I help you go from 
commencement contract as you are finding and landing your nurse practitioner job. So that is always open now. Uh, I would love to invite you in there. We talk a lot about contracts and negotiation. And also Monica, the NP, who I interviewed in episode 13. She is a fantastic person who also has a program and resources regarding contract negotiation. So all this to say, do your homework, make sure you're looking at that contract um, and deciding what's important to you and what it will mean for you kind of while you're working and also after you're working. The last question that I want to answer today is this. I just started a new remote job and I'm miserable. Is it bad career-wise to apply elsewhere? So the short answer to this question is no, it's not bad um, to apply elsewhere if you are miserable. That's the short answer. You are always allowed to feel what you're feeling, feel true to yourself and make and take action depending on that. But what I want to encourage you to think about and and encourage you to look into is why are you miserable? Can you answer that question? Now, this question in particular is about a remote job, meaning a work from home nursing job. So I definitely would recommend that you listen to episode 15 with Sadie from The Remote Nurse, because in that episode, we talked about our ideas about why we think people, some people go into work from home nursing jobs. Uh, And a lot of times it has to do with there being kind of a lifestyle mismatch with wherever they're in-person, non-remote nursing job is. So whether it's someone who's a new parent who wants to be home more with their kids or someone who just doesn't thrive in the hospital setting or doesn't like being around people, whatever it is, everyone has kind of different motivators for going into these roles. And if you haven't figured out kind of what it was that you wanted to do by going into this field, it can be difficult to be happy and satisfied in that role. And that kind of goes for anything. So what I really would encourage you to think about whether you're miserable in any job, because it happens a lot and I get a lot of questions about it. Can you do a root cause analysis? I know that sounds super nerdy, but can you think about why you are miserable and what it really is? Is it your schedule? Is it the work that you're doing? Is it the people? Is it your colleagues? Is it what you're missing out on by working, right? Like, Do you wish that you could be home more, so therefore you're miserable at work? Think about that and and really come up with a list of what are the real problems here? Where are the real disconnects? And what I'll say is that if you are miserable in a job and you can go through this exercise, you may find that there are things that you have control over that are easier to modify than looking for a new job. A lot of people will feel miserable in a job and and think that the answer is to get a new job. But the reality is if you haven't addressed or figured out why it is you're miserable, you're likely to make the same mistake twice when it could very well be that you have the power or you have, it's in your control to make a change that will help improve how you feel. You know, it could be related to your sleep or your exercise or your eating habits or, you know, what you're doing on your days off or your schedule or, you know, a whole host of things that could actually be modifiable or negotiable or adjustable before having to quit and find a new job. 
And at the end of the day, you may go through this exercise and figure out, oh, I actually do need a new job because it's about my coworkers or it's about the patients that I'm taking care of or the actual work that I'm doing isn't fulfilling to me professionally. And that's fine as long as you figured out that that's the answer because then that information is going to inform how you make decisions going forward. Okay, so hopefully that has been helpful. And if you have a question for me, I would love to hear it. You can DM me on Instagram or send an email to stat at the resumerx.com. In the subject line, you could put, you know, ask Amanda anything question. And I'd love to hear from you because I love answering your questions. I I get a lot of questions already, so I, I always have a lot of things to pull from. But if you have something specifically that you would like me to answer in this type of format, either on the podcast or in one of my Ask Amanda Anything videos on IGTV, I would love to hear from you. So until next time, I am always rooting for you and I'll catch you again next week. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.